0: Good day everyone, Uh, this is Thursday, October the 12th, year 2006, and it's the Ontolog Forum again. uh, Today we have a kickoff panel session for an Ontolog mini series uh, on database and ontologies. Uh, We are honored to have three experts with us. uh, Dr. Matthew West, uh, who is the program lead for this mini series and who will be moderating today's session as well as uh, Dr. Leo Oberst uh, from MITRE and Dr. Tatiana Mayuta from uh, City University. So, for the uh, i hand it over to Matthew.
1: Matthew Please, Dr. Are we going to use those, um, that first slide pattern to introduce the
0: content?
1: Yes. I've got your first slide on. Oh. Uh, this, is, this is slide one of the first slide set. So this is just really given the agenda. Um, I'll just introduce the path a little bit more fully than, than Peter has. Um, this is the moderated opening, Uh, and then each of the three panellists will give a perspective on on the subject. Um, And then there will be an open general discussion by all participants following up.
0: And
1: we have down at the bottom uh, the address of the wiki Okay, so if we move on to the next slide then, and we'll just uh, quickly introduce the panellists. although I think uh, they mostly don't need introduction, I have to say. Um, uh, Leo Orbs is uh, uh, a long-time participant in the um, and in many other initiatives. He's the Principal Artificial Intelligence Scientist at MIT, as you can read, um, and has been involved with projects on the semantic web uh, on interaction and context-based semantic interoperability and a range of other things. Um, Tatiana Moriata, I hope I said that correctly. Did I get that right, Tatiana? Yes, okay. Maluta. Maluta, sorry. Okay. 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 Uh, first time I've had the opportunity to, to find out how to do that. Um, associate Professor of Computer Systems Technology in the Department of New York City College of Technology. Uh, and there she's coordinating uh, teaching data courses, and she's written a textbook on physical design and implementation of relational databases. Um, and then i you've got myself, I'm um, Matthew West. I'm the reference data scientist, but i manager for Shell's downstream business. Um, I'm currently you know, involved in developing Shell's global downstream data model. Um, I was a key technical contributor to... well, I am a key technical contributor to ISO on 596. Life site integration process data model. And I'm a physical professor at the of Institute at Leeds. Next slide, please. This is just to introduce something. Um, we had a bit of um, discussion early on about what were the things around the um, holidays and databases. And i just threw this. Uh, diagram together to try to capture what I thought some of those things were. Um, so we start uh, start with the ontology, which is the theory of what is listed in some way. Um That can be a basis for developing information requirements, if those are the things, then, uh, in databases: they're what you're going to want to hold information about. And you can use that as a basis for developing your data model. Um, that, in turn, gives you the design for database, uh, both databases and ontologies are defined in terms of languages of different sorts and of using languages. Um, then, of course, with databases, one of the key things, and I noticed in um, the... Uh, uh, post that Mills Davis put up uh, that a number of people have put um, integration, enterprise integration, um, which essentially means database integration, um, as most primary use for uh, ontologies. Um, and of course we have ontology tools that might use a database to hold information about ontologies, never mind information about the things the ontology are about. And of course we have um, human computer interfaces um, and the way that we interact with databases to access the data that's stored there. So that's the landscape, if you like, uh, that we're going to be looking at um, and discussing today in particular, trying to do some scene some key issues and that sort of thing. So if we get, move on to the next slide, which I think is slide 4. Sorry, I didn't put page numbers on, on, on this, which is my fault. So, issues to explore. Um, so, issues to explore. Um, how does ontology improve the database design? Uh, what is where uh, beyond ontology and database design? How do you design a database to manage an ontology? Um, what are the limitations of databases in supporting ontology? How do you discover the ontology implicit in a good database? How do you map between ontologies, and for that matter, how does ontology help with the design and implementation of human computer interfaces? Um, uh, And uh, say between ontologies and between databases as well, for that matter. And what are the key challenges in developing human computer interfaces using ontologies? So, those are the key issues. Next slide, please. The first one. No, that was it. Um, in this case, I think that uh, I will hand over to Leo without, oh no, is it Leo or Tati who's going first?
2: Uh, it's is first. Uh, it is me, Peter. Yeah. I'm going first. Okay, Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm a database person, that's how I call myself. I have extensive research and industry experience with databases and for quite a long time I was dealing not only with data actually but with metadata. It wasn't called this way uh, many years ago and I'm very interested in ontological data as uh, which I think brings the promises of data role in the information system to the new level. Uh, so, um, I actually, yes, in, I'm interested in uh, the relationship uh, between the ontology and the database in an information system, and mm, I didn't find in my research many works dedicated to these issues. Uh, So uh, that's why I joined the ontolog, participated in the conference, Proteja conference, and actually raised the issues. So I was very happy to see that during the latest discussion, Peter, I'm sorry, this will be the slide number two, I guess, of my presentation. Okay, got it. Thank you. Uh, I was very happy to see that among the Five applications of ontology that received the highest rating were the applications dealing with standards and data quality. That's how I see the role of ontology in the information system. Uh, and um, ontology, uh, which presents an explicit semantic which we don't have in databases and which is traditionally implemented in the application. So the next slide is showing actually uh, the change of presentation of semantics of data in an information system over the years. Uh, This expansion of role of data in the information system is in an absolutely comprehensive and excellent way shown in Dr. Leah Oberst's slides. Uh, that he submitted this is just a very schematic presentation of this role of data so from application keeping everything about data we are moving to application that currently holds most of the semantic and performs the processing of course and uh, we are moving I think to application which is concentrated on processing and semantics of data semantics of processing maybe uh, are explicitly presented within a separate component of an information system which I call ontology, which we all call ontology, I think. Uh, so, semantics of data. Uh, Peter, this would be the slide four, I think. Thank you. Uh, Extracting semantics from, an, an application, from the application and database into a separate component helps to achieve explicit, reusable, and standardized description of the domain uh, that allows for automated data processing and is supposed to improve the quality of data utilization. And it also offers looser coupling of application and database that also works towards these goals of better utilization and easier utilization of data. Uh, the slide number five uh, is just, again, a very general slide that shows uh, limited semantics of database. Uh, structure. I'm discussing relational databases as uh, the most widely used structure of data is implemented through tables and columns, and it corresponds to some basic concepts and properties we use in ontology. Relationships between tables, implemented through special constraints correspond to additional properties of ontology. We can implement additional semantics in a database through smart queries and views, But in any case, database uh, model, database tools and languages are not uh, supporting uh, semantics well enough. And all our attempts to express these semantics are limited. And another disadvantage is that they are enclosed in the database and you can't get to them without the database management system. Uh, the slide number 6 shows that under such circumstances, uh, the database applications and the most important of these applications today are data integration applications, which I read actually take up to 30% of the IT budget today in other companies. The applications on uh, human computer interface require a lot of human efforts to build these applications and to sustain them because of the necessity to manually reconcile data structures, data formats, and data semantics and the semantics of data processing. Um, quite uh, several years ago I think uh, there was a lot of discussions about metadata of an information system it is a separate component now in many uh, database applications and metadata component, usually metadata is stored in XML format now Uh, actually tries to reduce these problems by exposing structure even more, by exposing semantics of data and exposing the semantics of data processing. Uh, But again, um, XML model is mostly about structure and syntax of data and not about the semantics. And we can present limited semantics, but again, it is not natural within this model. Uh, I think all of us are familiar with um, metadata repositories. Uh, I mentioned one here on the slide 7, which is UDDI, which is used for service-oriented architecture. Which serves this. So uh, slide number eight actually shows that placing metadata, it is just a graphical presentation of this idea, that placing metadata within the information system helps to reduce the pains of
3: uh,
2: different, uh, building and sustaining database applications. Um, Ontology is a further development of XML technologies, and it offers tools for expressing data after data process. That's why uh, I think we, we all see ontology as the next step in uh, um, implementing architecture of an information system. It has all the benefits of the metadata repository and offers much more due to its uh, possibility to express explicitly express semantics. Um, there were many issues raised. Uh, I'm moving to the slide number ten. Uh, Uh, There were many issues raised during the exchange of the emails and many suggestions were made. And Matthew already mentioned uh, the questions that we most probably will cover in this mini-series. I wanted to formulate them um, maybe the way I see them. It is conceptual interaction of ontology and database technological interaction and I would refer by the way to the materials uh, offered uh, several days ago by uh, um, I'm sorry uh, Adrian Walker I think he offers an approach to technologically uh, connect ontology and database. Uh, then bridging semantics of ontology and database. Database offers semantics and it should be used and can be used. Uh, and um, how again, how to, to develop methodology of building this bridge uh, to facilitate database and to introduce ontology into the information system. Uh, How to use ontology for the database design, issues Matthew will concentrate on, I guess. How to map the semantics of ontology into the data model. There may be some problems with different models of data, relational, object-oriented. And how to develop the methodology of the database design, based on the ontology. Uh, I think those are important issues, and they are already actually listed as such. Other uh, mentioned issues. Um, there was a concern about uh, database building local ontologies. Um, yes, of course, but usually we'll by time. And if you first understand that it is much better to apply approach think globally, and globally, then think locally, act locally. Uh, but uh, very often we have to apply approach think locally, act locally. A database, I think, can benefit even from a local uh, ontology the way try to show it on the diagrams of the information system. Of course, global ontology offers much more global benefits. Um, I think uh, an interesting issue also is reverse reverse engineering from database ontology. If we have a database of a domain, we can use it. It's limited to start up ontology, maybe, or to use it in ontology. And by the way, many vendors of database management systems are such tools already. uh, uh, I think that uh, if I, as a database person, I will be able to use in my information systems, my database applications, ontologists and all of them together with my databases, database applications will benefit from this, and will become much more uh, useful. Thank you. I don't know... I, it's hard even. I was afraid it did too long. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Tatiana. That's just good. Um, it's a very So, I'll review specifically how, uh, all these and those devices can be used. Very good. Um, Leo, yeah, are, are you ready? Uh, I did. Okay. Okay. Let me see you then. Okay. Uh, uh, I'd like to jump to slide two, and I'm going to bypass a lot well, of these initial slides. Okay. So I basically have them in there uh, as a background, uh, and uh, I don't think that we need um, a whole lot of background for this. Anyways, the first slide, slide so two, shows the summary, uh, four points each. The database is broken, on semantics. A lot of this, uh, I'm sure uh, Matthew himself is going to covered. Typically, uh, they keep that semantics implicit. Uh, they use broadly structurally, uh, and their schemas are not generally reusable. Ontologies focus on the real world, uh, make the semantics expensive, <laughs> and also enable uh, machine interpretability by, adding, uh, by using a large modeling language, uh, and then, therefore, they are reusable uh, as models of a portion of the world. Uh, so, the next three, the uh, next slides are like three, four, five, six, seven, ten, uh, you've probably seen, so uh, I'm not going to cover these. Uh, uh, I have on slide 11 just a little bit of background on relational calculus. Uh, and the important point here is that. Uh, uh, the relational calculus uh, in different formulations use the syntax for sort of logic, but only a very simplified semantics. So uh, I really want to get into slide twelve. Uh, these are uh, this is work in progress. Uh, had uh, uh, a couple of us had discussions uh, about the, the relationship between databases and ontologies, and uh an evolving product, but. Uh, uh, what I'd like to say is that ontologies really are about vocabularies uh, and meanings explicit uh, and well <laughs> defined, including uh, possibly machine interpretable, the higher end ontologies that we will the from logical theory, they are machine interpretable. Uh, also, try to limit the possible formal models. Uh, so, we want to uh, converge those uh, uh, closer to the human conceptualization. And then the other vocabulary, such as database uh, state-based or optic models, uh, with less specific semantics. that. Uh, uh, these other approaches uh, typically assume that learners will, uh, you know, look over the vocabularies and provide the semantics. Uh, by, uh, you know, uh, using their model uh, In addition, uh, human developers will code programs uh, to uh, enforce the local semantics of the database uh, that the DBMS cannot. So in other words, the database uh, will provide syntax and structure, but most of the semantics, this is what Tatiana uh, had mentioned. Uh, uh, Most of the semantics uh, really is in the application, the various applications that surround the database. Uh, And, of course, that typically means that that semantics is expressed in procedural code and uh, uh, don't have uh, direct access to it. One of the problems, of course, is that uh, if you're developing a program that expresses the semantics of your data, you may not get it right. Uh, and you may, uh, may not have uh, easy inspection into it. And, uh, of course, the higher you go in terms of uh, data warehouses, data bars, et cetera, the more uninterpreted interpreted semantic error increases. Uh, so unlike uh, database schemas schemes or object models, which are typically very specific, uh, and represent limited semantics, ontologies model generic real world concepts and their meanings. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the ontology, a given ontology, is complete uh, for any domain, because, ultimately, you're driven, uh, when, you, when you define an ontology, an ontology, you're driven by your needs, uh, your use cases, for example. Uh, and uh, your use cases uh, may not be fully, uh, you know, full uh, use cases, because you don't have to uh, express certain things in your ontology, at least in Probably, uh, in the future, you will, and, and therefore, uh, one of the other benefits of an ontology is that uh, you can extend it, uh, You what you have an extended. it. Uh, next slide is the So, abuse is one of the important qualities of ontologies not really use database schemas. Uh, you can harvest them, if you will, and try to recover uh, some of the information went into constructing them. But uh, uh, there are going to be, as uh, typically there are going to be uh, a physical schema uh, uh, with uh, a very little semantic But uh, Now, if you have uh, the database conceptual schema, Uh, which uh, typically when you develop a a database, uh, you go through this three-step process, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. Uh, The conceptual schema is really the most expensive semantics you have uh, when you're designing a database. Uh, And typically in the past it's been expressed in entity relation uh, diagrams uh, or extended entity relation, uh, but more likely these days in maybe new math, uh which, if uh, you remember uh, the ontology spectrum, conceptual models are, are viewed as kind of weak ontologies. Uh, and so in much the same way, uh, as you start with the past, and migrate it upward in an ontology, uh, you can do the same thing with the schema, but it's still quite a bit of work. The uh, logical and physical schemas, uh, which are the second and third uh, in the stages of, uh, in a database of uh, design uh, or development process, uh, are pretty useless for ontology, uh, heart- even harvesting for the top ontologies, uh, because they incorporate non-reviewable knowledge and you think uh, 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 uh schema will have uh, very specific uh, uh, artifacts constructs that uh, uh, get, get away from the real world maybe you've had at a whole level uh, and then of course by turning trying to a system scheme you just have relations and key information uh, and uh, you, you know ultimately the little cement you had at the uh, conceptual schema level. Now method methodology for ontology look very similar uh, uh, as far as a database designer an ontology engineer has consider computer information space that captures knowledge. Uh, but a database designer doesn't really care about the real world per se, but only about constructing kind of a local container structure of data, uh, that the uh, uh, user's uh, data will uh, reside and uh, uh, be uh, accessible uh, efficiently. Uh, a good database designer will uh, either like will sit down with the users and generate use scenarios. Uh, there will be a lot of collaboration and discussion. Uh, and try to get an uh, understanding of uh, how the data is going to be expressed as you guide the user. That's the same thing as an ontologist uh, will do with uh, an expert who has thoughts about this area, uh, but specifically uh, how to model. But an ontologist who have analyzed the data available. Uh, Examples of uh, the uh, debate. Uh, so, kind of a bottom up analysis. But we can also analyze what sort of the domain expert kind of a top down perspective. In other words, uh, not just what the you know, subject matter expert is the main expert. Uh, what kind of questions that they want to, have to ask uh, now? What kind of questions would they like to ask? say uh, you know, publicly <laughs> uh, A lot of times, they, uh, the domain experts will basically rehash questions about the current data, and not uh, thinking that it's possible uh, that we have additional questions answered. Uh, one, one is uh, 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 temporal uh, information, temporal logic, or uh, queries. Uh, when, you, when you talk with the domain expert, and this is true in, in many domains, but of course uh, in, in, uh, in my domain, uh, maybe in, in intelligence and you can see it's the primary. Uh, I think all of us can get information from their current databases in different formats and have different queries answered if you say, well, we'd like to have, uh, time theories, or, uh, would you like to have time series, or would you like to have some kind of differential over time, uh, they'll say, oh, yeah, Then you know, is that possible? So it takes some probing, but what you want to do is focus on not just the questions you want to have answered, but the questions that they would like to have answered, but can't be answered now. Uh, slide 14. A little bit of background now on the database design process. Uh, uh, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, basically, it's a three-step process. Uh, first is uh, designing your contextual scheme. Uh, originally, this was VR uh, model, VR diagram, sort of extended ER, but more recently, it's your own office uh, being used. Uh, Two, once the conceptual scheme is captured, so the designer uh, will refine it to become a logical schema, sometimes called a logical data model, uh, which is still in the ER language. Uh, but the logical schema typically results in uh, refining the conceptual schema, applying normalization and other techniques to move closer to the uh, so-called physical model, uh, normalizing your relations, your attributes, uh, et cetera. Uh, finally, the third process is the physical model. You refine the logical schema to become a physical schema, where you define uh, the tables called keys, or keys, and primary keys. Uh, and then the physical table optimized in terms uh, of which elements to index, which sectors in the database to place the various data elements. Uh, maybe at this time, you also define, uh, data, create a data dictionary, uh, which is where you, uh, put in English, uh, the, uh, what these things mean in the database that you're going to be, uh, that you've designed and built. Uh, so natural language documentation this is what the elements of the database mean. The data dictionary, uh, however, is only semantically interpretable by human beings. Uh, so, uh, one of the issues here is that if uh, we want to make it in by, by machine, you uh, don't want it necessarily to uh, always be at mercy or the uh, sense of work required uh, uh, by human beings. But the most expected real-world semantics of the database uh just Exists in the original conceptual schema and the data dictionary. The conceptual schema is typically kept around, but mostly as a document. Uh, you know, picture it in, in a drawer somewhere or in the database designer's school. Uh, and, and the data dictionary is kept uh, typically online and uh, it acts as documentation. But one of the problems is that the, uh, the ultimate physical uh, database that you created. Uh, it could be changed uh, radically, and you don't necessarily, and hardly ever go cool back to change the logical data model or the conceptual model. You uh, may update the data dictionary, uh, uh, and typically you do, but again, that requires a uh, human to read and interpret. Uh, now, all this applies also to uh, object oriented systems. Right? So, uh, which use uh, UML uh, and uh, and more recently have been used uh, to define enterprise architectures. Uh, the next slide is slide 15 this is kind of extending beyond uh, that uh, three-stage process now uh, focusing on the content of integrity uh, uh, the checks or uh, enforcement that database typically address. The, uh, the third companies there's domain integrity Uh, And domain integrity really means uh, data-type integrity. Uh, It really means column data, integer, things, but integer, strings, real numbers, or column data, domains. Whatever can fall within this column is just rows. Uh, So typically you don't have any symbolic objects at all uh, in a data. It's just strings or, you know, numbers. Uh, the calendar object. So, uh, on a data entry or update of a row, some program, or possibly class we in we'll ensure that the column is contained only that data type. So, integrity, domain integrity, means that uh, if you have uh, you know, data capture, maybe uh, a form, interface that uh, users uh, animated in, uh, when you're entering data, that is that it's going yeah. to a specific uh, problem uh, or with a specific uh, data type. That application, that form <laughs> application, uh, typically will, of course, mean activity rules. In other words, you can't, you won't be able to enter uh, a number uh, in a uh, a string, uh, feel or, uh, vice versa. The type of integrity is referential integrity. This is, uh, a key relationship, uh, primary key, uh, foreign key relationships. This is a structural, uh, form uh, you, you basically want to make sure that if the key gets updated, that any key in any other, uh, place, dependent on that key, gets updated appropriately too. Uh, so, you know, instead of those, uh, you know, delete, leads of updates. Uh, uh, when you delete uh, some objects that a key relationship to another object, some object uh, you want to you clean up after yourself, right? You want to make sure that there's no uh, dependencies that are hanging out there that uh, basically uh, uh, invalidate uh, or uh, know, uh, make the, the integrity of the state base. I mean, the are significant integrity, was just the hardest This is where you'll, you'll typically have some real world constraints coming in. Uh, I think that's the state of a business rules, that no other employer can make better than a CEO, or other similar cost dependencies. Uh, you might uh, you might want to do this in a database using triggers, uh, 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 which are which are either after or within enforce, uh, the enforced relational integrity too. Uh, the modern EPM uh, have evolved so that uh, a lot of this let's say work be done by Hello yes.
0: also someone who just uh joined us uh if you could put your phone on mute go there Leo yeah here. Uh, yeah so uh is
1: very. Again, is like a real world rule that you want to apply to span, uh, uh elements of the database uh, in about the same way as rules uh, uh, rule in an ontology span uh, different context and relations, et cetera. Uh, but you can't really check the consistency of the database in the same way you can for uh, an ontology, uh, the one that's, uh, you know, supported by... And, uh, and, and build within a logical knowledge representation language for for databases that just enforce these kinds three kinds of integrity as much as you can uh, for an ontology check consistency in two ways uh, syntactically and semantically uh, proof theory uh, versus model theory uh, you can do it at two levels too uh, something that uh, you know at the TR level the language level uh, that the language itself is sound incomplete. Uh, it's usually done for you uh, and uh if you're working at the ontology concept level, uh where you're finding a person and uh book page and uh etc. Uh, you don't have to worry about that because uh the KR language probably the designers and developers of that uh have proven some of the formal properties that you're taking advantage of. Um, uh, so I uh, think so, uh, this uh, is a, a brief dis- discussion of what's found in uh, common. You can also check the consistency of the theory, so uh, ontology at the object level. Uh, this is usually something like uh, negation consistency, uh, meaning that there's no, uh, ultimately no contradiction uh between uh the elements in your ontology. Uh so I think the is ontology design. If you're creating common knowledge, uh, largely, uh unless you're uh, if, if you're if you're focusing on deep domain knowledge uh where, where it requires uh you know, what does matter Knowledge in this specific domain. Uh, in, in fact, you can probably start by using your own intuition and understanding of the world. So, uh, it's not the case that uh, developing on the ontology on your own. And completely separate from the evolution of a database system or service. You're know, depending on the human being to do with the semantic uh, interpretation. You have read the documents and the about uh, that global, world knowledge of the domain, and understand, you know, how uh, the database, service the person uh it. So what I probably want to do is um, uh, uh, some semantic interpretive burden, really, but the burden we all uh, want and uh, need is just that uh, we, want, uh, we want our data and software to come up to the human level as part of uh, uh, software and uh, data levels. Uh, so we want to invest in our machines uh, an understanding of our level of So the, the result of being is the I, I see the interpretation in means uh like structuring and constraining and hospital asymptotic language the symbols that we use and uh, we should conclude the an automated inference process roughly what a human would in comparable circumstances. That, that's really the point. Uh, especially for high-end ontologies, logical theories. Uh, you want the, the machine to have at least a uh, somewhat of a automated reasoning capability. The knowledge representation language that enables this inference, uh, has to be a language that makes fine modeling distinctions and also has a, a formal and axiomatic semantics so that the the, no human uh, involvement will be necessary. So this is really the meaning of automated inference. Database's primary purpose is for storage and ease of access to data, not complex use. Software applications with uh, data semantics embedded in non-reusable code and human beings must focus on the data use, manipulation, transformation, so all which requires a high level of interpretation. Uh, so often, the extending the capabilities of the database requires significant reprogramming and restructuring the database schema. Extending the capabilities of an ontology can be done uh, uh, more simply by adding to its set of relationships. Uh, in, in theory, this may also include relationships for semantic mapping. Uh, okay, that's it. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Leo. Um, I think uh, that uh, that leaves it with uh, me as is, is going last. Um, I took a a different approach to uh, uh, what to talk about. Um, I really wanted to talk about some of the sorts of problems there are and the the, uh, the around which um on colleges and databases interact, and um, uh can help to solve. So if we move on to slide two. Um, the big problem in businesses in general is sharing data. Uh you put your business can be whatever you want it to be uh in the middle. And whichever part of the business you do you're in, You will have to deal with other parts of the business, whether it's uh, materials, or finance, or human resources, or sales, if if you're that sort of organisation. And of course, you'll also have to deal with external organisations, such as government, um, suppliers, customers, uh, and so on. Um, And sharing data with those people, the, the key thing is that you need to have a common understanding of that data in order for the sharing to be meaningful if okay, you look at the next slide, and that's that, in a nutshell the problem. Another way of looking at that is, is the, uh, the dimension to integration, and um, again how are we sharing data. Um, there are really three main ways which uh, data gets shared. Um, the first of those is through the life cycle of something, it could be a product, it could be an asset, a, 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 an aircraft carrier or, or a, 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 an aircraft or a factory or a computer um, and there is information that flows through its life cycle uh, and that you need to, to move from one stage of the life cycle to another so design information needs to be moved into an operations environment so that it can be used to support the operation of a facility of some sort and uh, you have and that gives a a um, a direction in which information needs to be shared then you have the supply chain um, um, where you have customers and suppliers interacting with each other customers giving requirements to suppliers suppliers um, giving specifications of products to customers um, and and again you know what the, the customer is going to need to um, uh, to use that to, to, to move into an operational phase. And then the third dimension here is management and control. Here we're summarising information up uh, to support decision processes. How well is the business performing? How well the enterprise performing? Um, and what needs? Uh, what information do I need in order to work out what it is I need to change and improve in the way the uh, organisation operates? So these are all the dimensions within which um, information needs to be shared and if it needs to be shared it needs to be shared in a way that uh, those that share it have the same understanding so next slide four how important is share data do um, you need to integrate different parts of the business um, is it important that uh, consistent messages given to external organisations are there problems reconciling data from different parts of the business um, are you dissatisfied with the time scale and cost of, it, of enhancing existing systems um, to meet uh, changing information requirements? And is the cost of obtaining data from systems uh, for use elsewhere, etc.? These are some of the problems that you can have sharing sure later. Um, slide 5. So these get uh, translated into time penalties. Um, Tatiana was talking about. Uh, the cost of interfaces being around 30%. We've seen, we've had reports of anything between 25 and 70% of of system costs being uh, around the interfaces. Um, Translating data between systems uh, is very expensive as well, and um, needs to be done sequentially, not concurrently. So, uh, uh, information is passed from one process to another. It, it can need to be translated um, in each step in the process. And that can have an impact on key business processes. So a slow response, the need for change in systems. Um, when your information requirements change, it becomes very expensive. It can become very expensive uh, in time as well as money to make those changes. Um, and you can have quality, suffering in quality um, with errors from data that is either inaccurate or misinterpreted leading to bad decisions being made. Um, and of course you just have time wasted trying to find the data that you need. So slide six. Um, what does information look like um, and in an enterprise? And uh, What's interesting here is how this relates to uh, databases and ontology. Um, because if you look here, we've got the operational and transaction data, which is the kind of stuff that, uh, traditionally sits in transaction processing systems. and um, you have summary information, which is the kind of stuff that sits in highly normalized class schemas, uh, so that it can be interrogated. Um, and then you have the pres- prescription documents and data that are definitely not popular document management systems of some sort. And then in the middle here we have what um is widely known as reference data, which is about products, as processes of organisations, locations, properties, those sorts of things. but um, which uh many of you I'm sure will recognise as um, being elements of ontologies as well. As indeed they are. And um, so that what we see here is the relationship um between um, ontology and databases isn't just between the database structure itself and the ontology, but also to a large extent the data in the database. And indeed one of the key design decisions you make when you if you take an ontological approach to database design is what of the ontology to put in the database structure and what to put in reference data. Next slide, slide seven. And here's how uh it can often end up having, well, how you could that, having an information systems architecture. And indeed, um, this is something I've, I've created this slide more than 10 years ago, um, and I'm actually seeing it happen in reality in some places now. So here you have operational systems which do your transaction processing, whether it's purchasing or sales or your finance systems. Uh, you have uh management information systems which you, give you summarizations of that. Um, you have decision support systems which are mainly for planning um, and deciding what you're going to do and how you're going to respond to uh, your performance um, various sorts of optimization in there. And then sewing all that lot together you have reference data um and descriptions and documents. Um, it, here shown as being held in one place um, as a master uh, and distributed out to all the other systems to ensure consistency and so here you can see again um, uh, the clearest uh, uh, location of an ontology within an information system in Ireland Uh, slide 8 the lack of control this is really just that uh, summary and uh, And management and control um, dimension that comes at two or three. What happens uh, is you observe what's going on in your enterprise, you measure basically, relatively, and you perform activities on the enterprise to make changes, and then observe the response. And then you do various summarizations and, um, key performance indicators with KPI means, um, up to profit and loss at the highest level, and um, more technical, uh, measures at, at lower levels. And if these really meaningful then really you, you, you compare your performance against the targets that you have, um, you look at the impact that the environment has on your business as well, um, and you use this to adjust what you're going to do in the future to optimize your business's performance. Um, and all this requires a detailed knowledge of what your business is and what the things are in it, which which again gets to into the technology. So slide nine. Okay, so why do you need data models? Um, it's about the language for the data. Uh, if you're going to share data, and I'll show you a number of ways and reasons why you need to, um, you must have something that we will call quotes a colon language. Um, and each separate data model, and this can mean in the end each separate database, if you're not careful, um, can be, is it's, its own language. Um, so standard data models, um, uh, even if they're implemented in different databases, different base, base designs, um, give you the base the base not the whole of it but the start point because the reference that your members is the other part of so mm-hmm. how your ontology gets into your information systems um, mm-hmm. for sharing data within between organisations and systems ok smart 10 well we are just talking about some of the problems with um, better modelling and um I, I think nearly all those things could be said about ontologies as well. I think one of the key things here is what's good analysis? Um, uh, rather than um, uh, it's uh, all the bad things happening in databases and all the good things happening in ontologies. Actually, most of the good things can happen in either databases or ontologies, um, and you can point to bad things happening in either of them. Um, but this is um, some of the things that can be issues in either um Ontologies. So one of the things that we've certainly noticed is the system's cost a lot. Um, we noticed that minor changes uh, create major rework. Uh, we're repeatedly developing the same system um, in different parts of the business sometimes, or serially, you know, when it work and do it again. Uh, system interfaces are costing a lot, as I've already said. And components uh, of systems, um the number of times that you see um uh a date routine developed in different systems. Um mm-hmm. is in rather than being reused. It's it's quite um you get what this is caused by largely the same in inverted commas because they're not the same, just like um uh, uh, you can get different ontologies of the same thing, you can get different data models of the same thing when they don't need to be different.
3: Um, and they
1: can't be reused very often, and when you look at why they can't be reused, you find it's because they're inflexible. Um, they have constraints built into them that don't always apply. Same thing's been modelled in a different way. The potential for reuse has not been identified, and so an appropriate level of generalization doesn't exist. And all this can be down to insufficient data modeling standards and methodologies. Okay, slide 10. Oh, sorry, 11. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, what is it that you would like um, the data model to overcome some of those things? First one is uh obvious, okay. the data requirement. Well, one of the things that's quite frightening is actually how few data models and databases actually support the data requirement. Um, being stable in the face of changing data requirements. Um, stable here really means um, I don't mind if I have to add something to my database, but I don't want to have to do something that means that I have to unload all the database and reload it because I've had to, to make some structural changes. Um, so it's about what kind of change can a database stand uh, and the database design stand. Have you designed your database? so that um, uh, the things that might change are not going to be expensive, they're it's going to be cheap to add. And that, that takes some thought. Um, making the, the design reusable, uh, being consistent with other models covering the same scope, how do you manage a suite of systems to be consistent? Um, and being able to reconcile apparently conflicting those models, and actually being clear and ambiguous, and, and that means not just the authors, but... Those ones, it? Uh, these to me are some of the key issues um, in developing either these models or for that matter, uh, to some extent, and many of these also relate to ontologies. But particularly, the reasons why you want to use ontologies um, as part of what would be driving your database now. I think that's the last slide. Yes. Okay. Um, I think, uh, uh, what are we supposed to do now, please? Do not spot each other, or...? Um
0: I guess, uh, let's see if the audience has any questions for the speakers. And if they don't have questions for individual speakers...
1: Um Actually, uh, yes, uh, I have uh, several questions. Go ahead. Uh, this, I'm sorry, this is Francis Shuri, I work the State Department. Uh, uh, I'm going to work backwards, given that uh, it's uh, what Dr. Uh, West just mentioned. The last item is just be clear and unambiguous to all. Uh, I, I how, First of all, how do you achieve that? And secondly, isn't that one of the things that uh, Dr. Oberst was railing against, in the sense that we know as human beings that we can communicate with each other quite naturally and even when we are slightly off, people understand what we are talking about. But that we are, uh, our entire process is to try to design a system so that computers can talk to each other. And, of course, it's, it's obviously it's computers that can't stand this uh, ambiguity. Uh, I'm, I'm still looking for the question in that, I'm afraid. What, what was the question? Well, uh, how do you go about being clear and, and ambiguous? um oh, it's, yeah. just, it's, it's extraordinarily difficult. is the first thing I can say. Um, and the reason that it's difficult is because um, usually the people who are designing these systems aren't aware of the fixed assumptions. Um, and making a, making um, uh, a database design data model ontology, um, more understandable and more usable um, is very often a, a matter of finding what it is that's implicit and making it explicit. Um, that's certainly been my experience. But when you when you find the thing that you really didn't understand, the, the person comes back and says, "Well, of course, we always do temperatures in degrees Fahrenheit or whatever it is. How how could you not know what that was?" Um, it was just obvious to them. It was so obvious that they didn't think it needed saying. And it's those things that were so obvious that, 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 that they don't seem to need saying, which actually do need saying because they actually aren't obvious to everyone. Does that answer the question? Uh, somewhat, yes. Yes. Okay. You, you have some follow-up questions. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this one is is our uh, Dr. Ober's. Uh, one of his last things is. This, uh, he mentioned, I think, something about databases, uh, not for complex use. And what I'm trying to get at is, uh, if, if it is not for complex use, why are we as human beings spending that much effort to design these things? Huh? I mean, if we, we want, uh, the, the databases or, or computer systems to come up to what we do, it is complex. That, that's why we have so much trouble understanding or doing this stuff, isn't it? Uh, yes, I mean one of the issues here is that the applications that surround the uh, database can be complex. Uh, the database is very general; it's very, it's non-complex, uh, but very, uh, very general. Uh, that buys you uh, uh, efficient access, uh, efficient querying, you know, generality of doings, and so forth. Um, it means that there's little semantics. The semantics is typically in the application but the application can be arbitrarily complex. So it's not that uh, uh, the uh, complexity of the database, uh, uh, the complexity could, it's a, a kind of a derived effect based on the applications surrounding the database. So, so are you saying that uh, in general, that the way systems are designed today, that the database
0: itself is relatively simple and that the complications are in the applications?
1: Uh, yes, in, in general. Uh, the whole point of, you know, when, when databases kind of emerged as, uh, you know, many, many years ago, obviously uh, 40 years ago, uh, the origin of databases when, when uh, originally there was just data structures, right, that would be used in your program. Well, the idea then uh, evolved, uh, emerged that, uh, well, you know, uh, maybe we should expose that data. Uh, so that other applications can use it. So, uh, obviously, that was kind of the beginnings of databases, and, and through the years, it went from hierarchic and navigational uh, databases to relational databases, getting, uh, if you will, uh, more general and simpler. Uh, so that today's databases, uh, uh, ultimately, uh, the data can be used uh, by... Uh, any kind of application, Uh, that's that's one of the problems, too, uh, to my mind, because given two applications, they could put their own semantics on the same data, and uh, the semantics is really inconsistent if you looked at uh, both applications together. But again, it makes it flexible, makes it general, and uh, for efficiency of access, and generality of join uh, a, a database is excellent. But uh, what you just said, uh, it, it, doesn't that a uh, lot depend on the granularity of the data? Because what you were saying about the semantics of individual applications, like let, let's take a look, uh, for example, at an IP address. Like an IP address uh, refers to MIT.edu, right? Anybody in the world can use it, and it still means the same thing. So there's no semantic ambiguity there. Did it, is, is that the balance statement? Right. For me? right. Uh, so, so, uh, the, the limited semantics you will have will be, uh, data types, right? Uh, so, so in other words, uh, if you observe them, of course, in a program, you can coerce it into something else. It, it would be, you know, uh, uh, perverted to do that, but, you know, again, the application, uh, can do whatever it wants. Uh, so, so uh, the data type. Let's say a string or number, uh, an integer, real number, et cetera, uh, you, you still you, you have that, and you you, you that it, that imposes uh, a base semantics, if you will. So, uh, in much the same way as a URI is a very specialized string uh, that uh, you know, unless you unless you uh, uh, you know do. Semantic a per- perverted semantic interpretation is going to be consistent, uh, but again, the the, the application uh, is, uh, largely depends on the application. So, uh, an application could use uh, uh, the the columns, uh, the the row, the column information in, in specific rows, and and distort it if, if it wants to. Uh, because uh, you know the semantics really uh it, it, there is no semantics it's a, it's structural uh the physical schema uh and uh, if the if the application developer has looked at the data dictionary uh or has uh you know worked with the database uh quite uh, quite extensively over a long period of time uh, the developers probably incorporated uh whatever semantics was exposed uh, and uh, the code uh, of this program will reflect that. But again, uh, you know, uh, there's, there, there's you know, limited constraints on that semantic interpretation. Okay. Uh, Matthew, uh, so I can just to uh, follow up on this. Um, I, I think it's worth remembering uh, that, that you need to be careful about what you're comparing databases to. Databases really compare to files. They're a place where you store data, um, and the the thing about ordinary flat files is that they're relatively cheap and simple, um, but they get to be a problem when they get big, because it takes you a long time to search through them, to find the pieces of information that you were after, Um, whereas a database is particularly good at handling very large amounts of data, particularly when there is some structure to it. Um, And it's very good at random access um, to sets of records uh, within that data structure. This is what databases are. Everything else that you put on top of it um, is, in some sense, uh, uh, what you are imposing on the database just as you impose something on a flat file. Now, it happens that most uh, ontologies are written Um, in simple ASCII files um, using a language like KIF or AL or something like that. Um, And that's uh, uh, the structure. You actually need to go to the application that reads that file and does something with it um, in order to uh, uh, look at uh, the kind of features that Leo's talking about here. You could do all those same things using that kind of application on top of the database just as easy as on top of a a flat file, you can have a database that uh, 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 held uh, a KIF uh, with the equivalent of a KIF ontology. There's no problem in doing that, it's just a matter of how you actually wanted to hold the data. Um, For most ontologies, they're small enough, Um, that the flat file is fine, it'll perform okay, Uh, you're not talking about terabytes of data. Um, and you read the whole thing in. You need to use, operate over the whole thing uh, a lot of the time in any case um, when you're doing various proofs. So that's not a particular disadvantage. So you need to think about it in those terms, I think, as well as just, you know, an um, ontology good database style.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, listen to the wheel again. I agree with Matthew, too, that uh, a complex uh, ontology with uh, many instances and uh, many rules. Uh, you, you know for access to that you're probably going to store it in a relational database uh, at least the uh, instances uh, if you will the instances will be uh, or facts there will be kind of instantiations that correspond to row information in a, in a relational database uh, and you want to have uh, efficient access to that uh, now rules you probably have something above that, um, maybe something like a prologue or an infant engine. But uh, again, relational databases uh, 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 provide very efficient access for uh, complex uh, structured data.
2: Uh, This is Tatiana. May I make a comment as a database person about the discussion? Uh, If if I can. Uh, Excuse me. Hello? Please. Yes. yes, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I hope I didn't interrupt. No. Anyone. No, it's okay. So, uh, first of all, about simplicity or complexity of databases. Uh, databases are much more than just files that can be efficiently processed, and I showed it in one of my slides. They offer structure of data, they support the structure, and limited semantics. Uh, I have many database projects. Uh, done and uh, I think I'm very skillful in expressing semantics of a domain through data structures and there is actually a lot of discussions I have seen um, in different articles uh, database professionals argue that they don't need ontologists actually because with skillful database design they can express semantics pretty well the problem is that this is not natural way to express semantics, and that's what I think. Plus, this semantics is enclosed closed database, and it is not available. This is in one of the Matthew's uh, last slides, I guess. And it is less clear to everyone uh, than to the creator of this database. So ontology is uh, not a silver bullet, it doesn't resolve all the problems. It is just a more natural way to resolve some of them, and a more efficient way. Uh, uh, yes, so... Uh, yes, yes. Yes. I, point point I, to I
1: add. Th- yes, I thought, I thought you had a slide, Tatiana, that, that showed ontology sort of as a layer above the database. I thought yes, that was yes. So I think they can
2: enhance databases. Uh, We as database people shouldn't argue that we don't need them. Uh, However skillful we are, it's again not enough today. So just with think about how to use to our benefit and to everybody else's ontology as an exposed semantics, open, clear, and about how unambiguous and clear to everyone it is. I think that ontology and XML technologies actually offer something that is much better than what we had before. So it is only a step forward, not just uh, immediate resolving of all of the problems we have.
3: This is Anselm, and I have a question for Leo. Um, You were mentioning the rules uh, using something like Prolog or an inference engine. I was asked what my my favorite inference engine was, and I don't know enough really to have a favorite. Um, Do you have one that you would use to uh, uh, access... inference the um,
1: representation language. uh, Sorry? So, uh, for example, uh, if you're doing uh, command-to-web ontologies, uh, you can typically start with, uh, one of the native sem- semantic web reasoners, uh, such as Jenna. Uh, could you repeat that name? Uh, Jenna? J-E-N-A? J-E-N-A. Double. Okay. Yeah, so, but, but one of the issues, uh, uh, for example, in some internal research, uh, we, we uh, take, uh, OWL ontologies and, uh, swirl, uh, which is semantic web rule language rules, uh, we convert them into Prolog and we use a, a, pr- a pro- Prolog engine for uh, runtime reasoning. Uh, the reason for that is uh, we've noted some problems with uh, Jenna uh, in the interaction between the rule layer and their ontology layer. Sometimes you get different entailments uh, between the two layers, and that's you don't really want that. Uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, you you want this kind of consistency between your ontology and rule uh, layer. Uh, and uh, modern prologues uh, uh, are much more efficient than they used to be, and uh, ultimately are very general. Uh, uh, but again, uh, it depends, uh, typically the inference engine uh, depends on the representation language. So uh, you know, uh, reasoning uh, uh, is dependent on representation, really.
3: Okay, um, thanks. I can talk to you more offline, maybe, because this is for that uh, semiotics um, thing where the ontology that we're building okay. is a framework for a database, and they didn't mention uh, UML or ER. They said it just the only thing I saw because I'm not a database expert was that uh, they would be just be using programming languages of either c plus or um or java so that's, that's all the info i had about the database
1: yeah yeah i mean you you, you wouldn't you, you wouldn't do it wouldn't be called reasoning or inference uh if you wrote a java program or a c plus C++ program
3: yeah I, th- I think they wanted an inferencing engine to sort of Works between the Anthology and that program somehow. I don't know if that's possible.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible. Uh, so let's start off then. Okay, thank you. There, there was a question, Peter, on the screen there, uh, uh, on, on the shared screen, on to log. Yeah, Peter Brown here. Peter, Peter Brown. Peter? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the debate, particularly at, um that Matthew's raised sort of reminds me very much of the discussions around interoperability versus standards. Indeed, I was at a conference in Berlin yesterday where we were talking about this in the government space and about the problem of uh, semantic interoperability between supposedly SOA developed systems. The, the, the central problem being not uh, not in the syntax or in the semantics, but the, the absence of any high-level um, reference model or ontology for the government space. Um, Matthew seemed to be suggesting that I think it was in his penultimate slide that the root of the modelling problem is often the lack of use or conformity to existing standards so is then a case for imposing certain standards for ontology database design uh, before uh, such systems are able to expose what they're trying to do in terms of uh, system interoperation and interoperability Um, and is there any value in I don't know how you do this, but in pump-priming maybe database design tools with, for example, terms from Sumo or other upper-level ontologies. Um, I, that, that's an interesting question. Um, what is certainly true is that if you have a common ontology or common data model um, for your data, and you can impose that across your systems, um it will be a lot cheaper and easier to integrate and in share data. That's a struggle. Um, and in fact, in sort of it's driving, people um, people's choices to, to buy integrated systems like FFP, um, sure. uhm, the fact that actually having bought the system, you can implement them in different ways. And, um, if you look at something like AI that, that uh, was historically being a somewhat involved organization, and um, people in, yes, in, part in <laughs> different parts, in different confrontations established with them, um, uh are inconsistent with each other. Uh, uh, and we're not able to share them. So the question is, the problem? Sorry. I'm going to say the, 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 uh, the issue, I think, is probably more to, at a high level. I mean, I agree with you that if you could impose common data models across the whole uh, information domain, then, and say you've got exhausted, but you've got, you along along the line. But would it not even possible, which is I think where we were looking at, to agree at least, if you have a, uh, a domain, upper level ontology, where you're agreeing on a conceptualization at least of your main, uh, main ontological objects, um, say in the government's, uh, Governance based, you know, things li- like that, types of services, types of people, types of actors, and so on. But even if in the detail in different implementations, your face based may be um, um, very, very different, you've at least got some sort of high level loose coupling between concepts that actually make the, the mapping and the yeah. more efficient. Yeah, I there are, think there are, there are two possibilities here. Um, and, and, and frankly it comes down to government so if there is someone who yeah. can say you will do it this way and to be able to say you will do it this way you have to be able to say um, uh, what you think anyone cares what you think and do you enjoy working here if you can't say those things you don't have government okay <laughs> nicely put um, yeah and so you don't have government if you don't have government it will be your own thing that's human nature so and actually not try and impose on things where you can't. But on, uh, at, and, and at that level, then you have to find ways of mapping between different things because people are allowed to do their own, are allowed to do their own thing. I, I'd like to make a comment on that point because it seems to me uh, that conceptually at least, one of the powers of the Internet is that people don't have to care that www.mit.edu has a certain, you know, in Characteristic on the internet that anybody can use it and they don't have to define it. And yeah, basically, the only things that are imposed are IP, HTTP, and HTML. The rest is very, very loose coupling. Right. And that if you can have an architecture where it says, look, this is all public, you know, you can't change it, but yeah. everybody can reference it, and, and that that's needed, you know. would it, be a great model, if you would, to design systems, Yeah. You know? um Yes, I think it, I think it would be. Right. I think the difficulty is. Finding anything that a significant number of people will agree to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we've seen that uh, in the standard Diego ontology community, for example. I think one attempt to agree something in area. Now, what I think you might find, and what you still find, is that there are a, a relatively small number of after on with, uh, uh, um, with any significant use, um, I think that understanding that is a useful thing and using any of them rather than that of them is certainly a good idea. Yeah. Thank you. And it's better to use one of those than your own. Yes, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is Doctor Over still there? Hello. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, I'd like to ask another question. You mentioned this fact that uh, ontologies uh, have no contradiction. And mine is that if ontology is supposed to reflect our real world, right, uh, why not? <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, so what we wanted to do is exchange consistency, right? So uh, typically, uh, w- what you want is uh, something like uh, two ontologies uh, that could be partially inconsistent because they address different issues, but they should be consistent within themselves. So this brings in a notion of, uh, like, a micro-theory or a, a ontology module. Uh, it, the Generalization sometimes uh, you talk with John Soa and others uh, is this whole notion of a lot of theory, theories where a given theory is consistent. Uh, that's what makes it uh, one of the elements that makes it a theory. is consistent. It could be inconsistent with another theory, but that's fine. Uh, and given two ontologies of human uh, theories, uh, they could be all the same. They could be both the same except for one thing, you know, uh, X, whatever X is. Okay. One says X and one says not X. Uh, that's fine. And you might want to use both of them. Uh, so, but you want to maintain, uh, uh, local consistency, if you will, in the ontology. When you, when you, uh, when you hook it up with other ontologies, uh, you have to deal with uh, possible inconsistencies between the ontologies, uh, but that's fine. I mean, we know, uh, different theories, uh, about the world are going to be in inconsistent, uh, typically, but they're still very useful.